of heights to the depths of the sea. And this is one of the greatest proofs of David's uh, supposed loyalty, loyalty to Achish was by going out with him to battle against David's own people. Because how would Achish ever be able to define whether he was really being genuine or not until he's actually going out to battle against his own people? Every creature's unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In the beginning of chapter 28, David had lied to Achish, telling him that he raided the people of Israel. Although he was lying, David seems completely surrendered to the ungodly Achish. He will fight for the Philistines against Israel. We might wish that David was really operating as a double agent, and he planned to turn on the Philistines in the midst of the battle. But the text gives us no reason for such an optimistic perspective. David has come to a very low place. To some degree, most every Christian has been where David is at, in this backsliding state. We can understand what David is doing, but it's still wrong and very dangerous. Now here's Pastor Rob. Um, David is actually fighting the enemies of Israel, but Achish is thinking that David is fighting his own people. (laughs) Very interesting. So whenever David attacked, verse 9, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish, obviously with the spoil. And then Achish would say, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah. Was that truth? No, it wasn't truth, because he'd been attacking the enemies of Israel, not the enemies of Achish. Achish is thinking David's getting all this plunder from his own people that he's been attacking. So David is living this duality. He's claiming to be fighting the king of Achish, his battles, but he's not. At least not yet. (laughs) So, So David would say, against the southern area of Judah and against the southern area of the Jeremiahites, excuse me, or against the southern area of the Kenites. So again, David deceiving the king. And think about what a confusing time this must have been for him. A very confusing time. Living in the land of the enemy, claiming to be allied with them, And thank God, at least he's not following through with it. He's just being deceitful, but he's not harming his own people. And see, this is what happens when we are out of fellowship with God and responding only to fear. Responding to fear only in all all that's left for us when we follow fear and fall into fear is a train wreck. 
in our own life. That's what happens. Verse 11, David would say, would save neither man nor woman alive to bring the news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did, and thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people utterly abhor him, therefore he will be my servant forever. And so he didn't leave anybody alive on those raids that he made down to the real enemies of Israel, because if any of them lived, they would go back and report to to Achish and say, uh, You thought he was attacking the, the people of Judah? No, he was attacking us. And it would have blown David's story out of the water, and David would have been um, found out. And so now we get into chapter 28. This is undoubtedly one of the most difficult chapters, one of the most intriguing chapters in the Bible, and I'm hoping we can get through it. We may get through all of it. We may get through some of it. But as we read this chapter, you're going to have the question arise in your heart, and which is what most people have done. And the question is this, would God allow Samuel, because we know in, in, in chapter 25 that Samuel died. So Samuel is dead. And why would God, would God allow Samuel, who was no doubt in heaven, to be conjured up in a seance? Was this really Samuel or an evil spirit feigning to be Samuel, communicating with Saul? And that, that's a question that, Many people, that's a valid concern. Because sometimes we see God do some pretty strange things. He allows some pretty strange things. One of the most strange, one of the strangest things I remember reading is in Genesis chapter 21. When Abraham, God tells Abraham, take your only son, Isaac. Take your only son and take him up on a hill that I will show you and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice. Now, Abram knew, because he came from a pagan country in a a pagan environment, that human sacrifice was not, it it was a pagan thing. It was something that God was totally against. Abraham knew that, but yet he trusted God. And that's the thing that blows me away. Not so much that he would go do it, but that he trusted the the, the voice of God. He, He evidently had the relationship with God, such that when he heard God's voice, he knew it wasn't an imposter. He knew it was God. And see, I think that's what God wants us to do, is to have that understanding and to understand that he, how he works in our lives and to hear his voice, that still small voice. I've heard his still small voice on a number of occasions, not a great many times. I wish I could you know, be all spiritual and say, yeah, every morning I hear his still small voice. It tells me exactly what to do. I just execute No, it's not that way. And what I mean by that is I I, I read the word and he guides me through that, but there are times where literally I can hear his, there have been a handful of times where he has really spoken to me and I knew it was him. And um, at real pivotal points in my life, he's made those things very clear to me. And that's what I mean. And so this is a really difficult chapter. And this what we're going to encounter in this chapter is one of those times where it drives the legalists crazy. It drives those who, who think that God can only be like this. <laughs> and granted, God doesn't violate his, 
his will. He doesn't violate his own laws, but there are times that he does things that just makes you scratch your head and go, wow. Would he show up during a seance? Did he? Yeah, he did. We're going to read about it tonight. It says, Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. And this is one of the greatest proofs of David's uh, supposed loyalty, loyalty to Achish was by going out with him to battle against David's own people. Because how would Achish ever be able to define whether he was really being genuine or not until he's actually going out to battle against his own people? And so David, uh, you know, Achish says, you, you're gonna, you guys are going to go out with me, right? And David's like, you better believe it. We're going out. And what a great test that was for him. Because if David was able to kill his own countrymen and be victorious, Achish would know that his claims of loyalty, they were true at that point, and, they would, and then he would have an ally, a true ally in David. But in verse 2 it says, David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. And this is literally, you're going to be one of my bodyguards. This is how... how how um, Achish believed David. He believed him so much he was willing to put him in his very inner circle. And what a strange thing, again, for David to be allied with the enemies of Israel and even to the extent of being one of Achish's bodyguards. This sort of thing would be laughable if it, wasn't, um, if it weren't true. But I believe, again, this is one of the, his low points. And so verse 3, it says, Now Samuel had died which we already knew that from chapter 25. And all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the, the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. So he'd put them out of the land. It's kind of funny because the, the Mosaic law actually says that they were to be executed. But so for whatever reason, he didn't do that. He just got them out of the land. And so Ramah... Is, uh, is the very place where um, Samuel had grown up, and so they bury him there. And I, I think of Samuel, what a, a wonderful leader he was, and a great governor, in a sense, not only for Saul, um, but also for David, this great father figure. He was a moral figure in both Saul and in David's life. And oftentimes when we have a governor like that in our life, um, and when that governor passes from the scene, that is when our character is really tested. And because when we are no longer under the thumb of an authority, our true character often is revealed. And I think this is true. I see it in my own life. And we see this with Saul, because at this time in his life, Saul had no governors in his life. Samuel had died. He had rejected God. God had rejected him. And he was literally a man who, no, he was just a, a, an island unto himself. And what a miserable man. So not even the Lord. And he was a complete rebellion and, and on a very quick slope to destruction. And when you think about that, the state of where Saul was in, we see this in history. You remember after, after Joshua had died and the elders who were with Joshua, and that is actually when the state or the, the, the children of Israel, they began this Great freefall morally, and that's when God rose up the judges, and that's when the time of the judges really began. But there's a really scary verse, and if you go there with me, or you can write it down, write down this verse, because I believe in America we're in that same place. 
And it's in Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. It's 7 through 10. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. Let me read it to you. And this is very indicative of what Saul was going through as well. It says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the borders of his inheritance at timnath Heres in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gaash. But here is the very puzzling and scary verse, verse 10. It says, When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. And why didn't they know? Because the fathers weren't sharing it with their kids. The grandfathers weren't sharing it with their grandkids. The mothers, the fathers, they weren't sharing the truth and, and what God had done. Israel's history was very rich. And they should have been telling their sons and their daughters, Hey, you know, we came across the, you know, the, the, the Red Sea. I was, you know, your grandfather was there. Or, you know, your, your, you know, your father was there. Or I was there. You know, I, I saw what happened. The great deliverances that God had done. The things that he had done for them. They didn't know. They didn't rehearse it before them. They didn't tell them. And so there arose another generation that didn't know God. They didn't know the things that God had done for them. And wow, that's such a, that's happening in our country. People aren't telling their kids about Jesus. Even Christians. Well, the Sunday school teachers will take care of that. We've got to do that. We've got to do that. We've got to be with them in the word. We've got to be with them in prayer. Are we doing that? Love those kids, folks, because you know what? The small amount of time that you spend with them in, in inputting this wonderful, good, the good word of God, they are being inundated by that much. And I would encourage you not to be discouraged because, like me, I get discouraged. But don't give up. You keep doing it. And you keep living it, and you keep uh, appropriating it into your life, and talk to your kids. I love to talk to our daughter. I remember, you know, we would talk about how my wife and I met, and the, and the story that that was, a really interesting thing. How we got into our house, the miracle that God did in that whole thing. Everything. There's so many little things in these stories that, which are true. And we tell them, this is how God worked. And, you know, it didn't happen every day. At different milestones, he did these really awesome things. You know, I mean, he's doing things, all good things all the time. Don't get me wrong, but there are watershed moments in your life where you know God has intervened. Share those things with your kids, especially what the Lord did and how you prayed and how you cried, how you got on your knees and you prayed and you didn't know what this was going to happen. Next thing you know, it happens. Don't dismiss that. Share it with them. Tell them because otherwise they're going to grow up and they're going to be like this. They're going to be a generation that didn't know God and they didn't know the things of God. So important for us as parents and grandparents to tell those things, to live the life before them. Oh, help us, God. Help me, God, to be consistent, to love, and to tell the truth, not only to my kids, but other kids. we got to do it. We have to do it. Notice in verse 3 at the end it says that Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. And Saul, in doing this, was actually doing the right thing. That's one of the few things that he did right. But he should have gone further because the law told him to, 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 to kill those people who were involved in those, spirit, um, those occult things. 
to rid the land of them, but he just banished them out of the land. You notice the difference? Because <laughs> they're going to continue doing what they're doing. What does it say in Exodus twenty two eighteen? You shall not permit a sorceress to live. A sorceress is some is a witch. She uses incantations. She practices magic. She's a sorceress. Leviticus nineteen verse thirty one says, "Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. A medium is somebody who conjures up the dead. Somebody with a familiar spirit." A necromancer, a soothsayer, a medium is the one who acts as a liaison, as you know, to supposedly contact or communicate with the dead on behalf of a loved one. But in reality, mediums are nothing more than they're contacting familiar demons that are posing as our dead loved ones, and they are giving us lies. And understand something about the devil. He's, very, he's got a very good memory. He can't know the future like God knows the future, but he knows the past really well because he studied every one of us, and he's doing it right now. He knows exactly where your Achilles heel is, and that's why he's working so hard to get you to fall. He, he knows your parents. He knows their names. He knows the kind of candy your grandmother liked. And he can, through a medium, a devil, a demon, can say, tell, tell so-and-so that... Her grandmother misses the candy that she used to bring with them on the porch step. Remember that sunny day that you did that? I'll never forget that. And the person's going, <laughs> and then they're, 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 they're crying. And because, why? Is it because, no, the, the devils, the demons, they know history. They know your past. And people fall for it all the time. And then they keep coming back. Keep coming back supporting the witch. <laughs> keep listening to those lies. And it's not their loved one. It's a demon who knows their intelligence is very good. But not better than God's. Because God can say, I know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you don't. So, mm. God can speak the end from the beginning. He knows all things. He writes it in advance. That's all the demons know. They know about as much as we do. But God gives us even more, doesn't he? What does it say in Leviticus? A man or a woman, uh, in Leviticus 20, verse 27, a man or a woman who is a medium or who has a familiar spirit shall surely be driven out of town like Saul did? No, they shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones, their blood shall be upon them. I think that's pretty clear, don't you? In Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 through 14, when you come into the land, the Lord says, that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall be no more found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, one or a, who is a sorcerer, one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. That's why God called the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. The iniquity of the Amorites was not yet fall. When, when, when it came to the point where it's like, okay, God's thinking, I, I can't take this anymore. I've given them a couple hundred years to turn from this stuff that they're doing. But now is the time I have to judge. And he used his own people to be the hammer of his judgment against the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Hittites. He used them. He says, go in there and kill everything, everyone. 
Everything. Wipe it all out. I don't want to have any part of it anymore. And what about we have astrologers and astrologists today? Don't confuse an astrologer with astronomy. Astronomy is fine and good. You study the stars, but an astrologist actually puts horoscopes together. Are you one who is into horoscopes, into palm readers and psychics? I remember a couple years ago, we were in, um, actually it's been more than a couple years, we were in Key West with my family vacationing. And the place is like Sodom and Gomorrah. It really is. On every corner, there is a, there's people, I mean, you name it, anything and everything goes. It is a circus, a moral, an immoral circus. It's crazy. People are walking around high, on drugs, drunk, people all over each other, homosexuals all over each other, heterosexuals all over each other. Notice I included both of those. I'm not just like picking on the one thing. It's all sin, right? Everybody got that, right? (laughs) But do you dabble in these kinds of things as a Christian? Are you looking into this stuff? Do you dabble with Ouija boards? Probably none of you in this room, but I remember when I was a kid, I tried it once. Do you consult palm readers and psychics? A true child of God should not entertain any of this stuff. Because God forbids it. And why is it? Because he just doesn't want you to have fun? No, he knows that you will be deceived. Because think about what happens when that familiar spirit, that demon, is able to tell, is able to um, be possessed by a medium and a client comes in and wants to know about Aunt Frida. And that demon knows Aunt Frida. That demon has studied her and her ancestors, knows exactly everything about her. What do you want to know? What was the last thing she wore? Well, she wore that ribbon, that yellow ribbon in her hair before you said, Oh, it's true. It's true. And then all it takes is for that demon to say, Well, if you really loved Aunt Frida... Aunt Frida's got something that she wants you to do. You need to take care of one of her enemies because she ripped her off and you need to go and take care of business. You know, you get my point. So people get deceived and God knows that because the, the devil never wants to just tell you facts that you already know. He gets you in and then next thing you know, he's got you and then he wants you to do stuff. That's why it's bad. In addition to destroying your relationship with the Lord. <laughs> you get my point. So, verse 4, the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. And so Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And this place, Shunem, is actually just a little bit southwest of the hill of Moray, uh, not too far away from Endor, where we we see this witch that um, Saul is going to um, communicate with. Uh, this place, Shunem, is just east of Megiddo, right there in the Valley of Jezreel. When we go to Israel, we drive all around this area, and you'll actually see the places that we're talking about now. And it's really interesting to go to Mount, you know, we drive right by Mount Tabor, where this battle occurred that we're going to be reading about here in a few moments. So verse 5, it says, When Saul saw the armies of the Philistines, he was very afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And I think about what a horrible predicament it is for any man, especially Saul, who has been rejected by God, uh, who has rejected God, and God has rejected him. And now he's up against this huge army. This huge... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.